0: Peace, 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 and welcome to The Rematch, which is part of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. On The Rematch, you'll hear in-depth interviews with notable names from all walks of life. Because sometimes the media just doesn't get it right. The Rematch is that second opportunity to clarify, put things in proper context, correct fake news or misreported controversy, the media still exists as the most powerful entity on earth because they control the minds of the masses. I'm Aton Thomas and the full truth is what we are aiming to catch. Many media stories omit details that would dilute their clickbait roar and that's why there's a need for the rematch. Welcome to this Martin Luther King Jr. Edition of the rematch. We are here with um, some great WNBA players. Um, Emerald Garner, Eric Garner's daughter, is here. We have Elizabeth Williams. We have um, Angel McCaffrey and uh, Tara Ruffin Pratt, and um, we also have Renee Montgomery. And I'm really looking forward to this to this discussion because we're here. We're celebrating Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, birthday, his weekend, and the the spirit of activism that is alive and kicking right now. And a lot of times when we talk about Martin Luther King, we talk about him as if everything that he fought for, everything that he struggled for is all over and everything is just fine now. And as we saw, um, you know, just a week or two ago, uh, right here at the U.S. Capitol, it, the, the struggle is far from over. And I wanted to talk about everything in terms of the, uh, the, the work and the activism that the WNBA has been doing in particular. Um, I, I followed all of y'all for for a very long time, and I, I'm big fans. And I just want to I want to just take it first of all. Talk about the correlation between everything that Martin Luther King Jr. stood for, as far as standing up to to resistance. I mean, standing up for your rights, standing up for you know a, a, you know injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Talk about that in terms of how it is relative today. And I want to start with Angel. Um, you know, you have been active in this for for a long time, and you, you this this past um, season, you were really responsible. You know, one of the ones main ones responsible for the the um, the Black Lives Matter, the say her name that was worn on the jerseys and everything like that. Talk about how why that was important and how that relates to everything that Dr. King uh, fought for his entire life.
3: Yeah, um, I would say, you know, we just want to continue to uh, keep the legacy alive and fight. And like, you know, John Lewis said, it's always uh, okay to get in some good trouble, you know, and we just wanted to make a statement. Um, How the um, idea came about was really I just wanted to figure out a way, like, how can we use our platforms to continue to fight for social injustice and um, just you know, continue to show everybody that we care, even while we're playing, we're not just playing and ignoring everything that's going on out there. So that's kind of how that idea came about and everybody responded well to it. All the girls participated and wore it and, you know, just that togetherness of, I just never have seen us, us so together. And that's when I realized, wow, there's power in numbers. You know, and I think that's relates to Martin Luther King of us staying together, we're, we're one nation. And I always um, tell the story to people. I was in France one time and somebody was like, Why do you guys always refer to black and white? Aren't you all American? And that always stuck with me because I feel like as a country, why do we divide so much in being one country that should be together when we're dividing everything up in one country? You know, so that always stuck with me. And as Martin Luther King said, you know, he had that dream that we will all be together as one. I still believe in that dream. I don't think, um, that dream has faded out it just takes a lot of time
0: you know so right. no uh, that, that's a good point um yeah. and and Tiara, i want to talk about and talk about the organizing um right you know along the same lines of what Angel was talking about when you was playing for the mystics that's where i really saw after the back-to-back murders of palanca still and alton sterling and the organizing that you did with the mystics and um the and helping with the media blackout and everything that the the mystic did as a whole can you talk about that In particular, and also a two-part question: How did y'all get everybody involved? And and I've asked you that before because you know that is something that's very unique because you know y'all everybody. It was black players, white players, foreign players, players they ain't even from here, don't even know really what's going on. But y'all got them all involved and all in support. Talk about how you did that.
4: Um, For me, because I had already experienced. like a death of a family member uh, by the hands of the police. I had a really strong attachment to everything that was going on, um, especially with all the killings that was happening at that time. And I think my teammates just kind of backed me when I was like, I think we should do a blackout. Like this should be a time where we kind of stand together um, as one team and just only focus on like what's going on right now in this country. And my teammates were like, okay. My coaches were like, okay. Um, and I think that with them kind of having my back, it gave me the extra push to kind of just keep going with, with that that kind of theme um, with everything I wanted to do after that. But my teammates, the coaches, everybody just were like, yeah, we need to kind of speak up, use our platform. And that was the beginning um, with us doing it. Minnesota did it and all the other teams kind of like trickled down and followed. Um, but the league has always been, uh, at the forefront of things is like that, everything that's going on in the world. The WNBA has kind of been one of those those leagues that speaks out. Like, we don't really have any uh, fear of what will happen to us. So we just kind of speak what we think is, is necessary. Um, and everybody else kind of followed. I think if, if some of the players are like, no, we're not going to do it, they would have been looked at a little bit different. And I think everybody was kind of on board in the fact, like, we see all the negative stuff and all the bad things that are going on in this country um, and nobody's speaking out. So why not use our platform and, and do something that's right? And that kind of made it all
0: easier because we were all on one accord. I, I think it's just it's just amazing because, you know, when when Kaepernick first took his knee, I mean, he was kind of out there by himself. You know what I mean? But y'all, everybody did it together. And I just really commend y'all for that. Um, Elizabeth, this a few weeks ago, um, we saw what y'all did with really, you know, changing Georgia into, into a blue state. I mean, I, I never would have really thought that Georgia would have flipped blue, honestly. And the way that you all also uh formed and banded together and really, you know, are responsible for Lawler not winning again. Um, you know, and, and also at the same time, she was, and I don't use the word owner for obvious reasons, but she was one of the CEOs of your team and you were all banning against her. And I just thought that was, that was it's amazing. And, it's, and I don't feel like there's enough um, praise for all of the work that all of y'all have done that the WNBA has done. And that's why I really want to use the platform that I have. and thankful for basketballnews.com for featuring this and Fly TV. And But I, how did y'all, how did that come about? And did you receive any resistance? Like just walk me, walk me through the whole process.
2: Yeah, um, it was interesting because when she made those statements, it was right as we had gotten into the bubble. So we were still, like, in our quarantine period. Some people weren't with us. So our team, along with the staff, we had a Zoom call because we are like, hey, like, we have to address this. We have to at least say something.
0: No, because- wait, no, wait. wait. The same should say the exact statements because she talked about when everyone was talking about George Floyd and Brianna Taylor mm-hmm. and the exact statements that she said was something to the effect of, you know, she called everybody a mob and just say the exact statement. Yeah, there. like
2: this mob mentality, um, saying Black Lives Matter is Marxist and to keep politics out of sports and to wear the American flag on our jersey and all this stuff that ironically was about putting politics into sports. Right. Um, so that alone was very ironic. But for us, our team, we wanted to make a statement, but we also wanted to have an action behind it. So we didn't really know what that was going to look like. Um, and other players throughout the league had you know you know supported us said hey like we're with you guys whatever you want to do and so as we were kind of brainstorming ideas um, we realized you know we can't really do anything about her ownership like that's on the league so but she is in the senate seat and so we can do something about that and so we had connections with Lisa Borders um, who was our former president and she's Heavy into politics, and Stacey Abrams on our union's board of advocates. So we at least had connections with people who kind of understood politics, and they were able to connect us with Reverend Warnock. And so, after vetting him, having conversations with him, we, you know, said we can have a call that's open to every player who wants to like hear who this guy is. Um, and then ultimately, we decided we we're going to support him. And we knew it was going to be even more powerful having the entire league backing us, and so when we, as in Atlanta, had our first nationally televised game, um, we wore these vote Warnock shirts along with every other team in the league, and it was just this incredible movement. And ultimately, you know, Warnock ended up winning this this runoff in January.
0: And and you all mobilized to really cause her to lose in this race. And I and I want to say that because at the beginning Warnock was polling at 9%. Yeah. That's where he was polling. Yeah. And people have to always remember that there was a big change after the whole WNBA got around and campaigned around You know him and pushing him to get into that spot. I want you to talk about how that came about and how you was able to mobilize in that way because it's something monumental. We don't don't see anything like (laughs) this, and and it hasn't been it hasn't been given the attention I feel that it should have been because you know we haven't seen this level of mobilization in in NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, no other no other you know organization. And you all did it. So just walk me through first of all, how did that come about? How did you do that?
1: Yeah. So you know. You have to give it up to the social justice council and the WNBA, the executive committee, because these are groups of women that organized. You know, it wasn't just actions all over the place and chaos. This was very organized movement, and so they vetted. You know, they vetted Raphael Warnock, Senator Warnock, and they they wanted to see who he was and and what, and they brought in counsel, they brought in advisors and to help them because this isn't necessarily the space that we're used to roaming, and so all that was done. And then I got a text from Sue Bird saying, Hey, I just wanted to let you know, you know, what's going on from inside the Wubble we're creating these shirts that say vote Warnock. And you know, this is what we've done. And this is, you know, she broke it all, all down for me. I was like, you know, I wanted you to know because your boots on the f- ground here in Atlanta. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what, this is crazy. Like this is mm-hmm. lit in a sense of it. It was, I love when things are planned, you know, this right. is not a vindictive movement. This is a, we're trying to get somewhere movement and this is who can get us there and so it was exciting just to see how everyone was banding together
0: i, I think it was just really amazing the way that you all organized and is i don't i don't know you know so in my in my in my previous book we matter athletes and activism i asked uh swin cash how you all do that you know what i mean like how did y'all do that and she her response was simply well women do differently. You know, she was like, we support each other and it could be somebody. That was her honest answer. She's like, that's all I could really tell you. And what all of y'all are telling me in common is that there really wasn't a lot of, um, you know, coaxing and trying to convince and everything like that. It's like, y'all made a call and everybody was like, okay, I'm with it. And then y'all all all did it. And it was like, as simple as that.
3: Well, Ethan, let me add to that real quick. You know, we did do our research. We didn't want to say, okay, we're just going to put out, but we're not sure it's because Kelly made these statements we did our research about health care. Let's compare the two. Let's compare the two about LGBTQ community. Let's compare the two about social injustice. And besides the words that she said, of course, what we didn't agree with, we did the research and we did see that Warnock was more for the people and for our vote. And after doing the research and of course they put it together, it, it worked out.
2: Yeah, and it was, it was perfect because not only were we supporting this guy, but he supports all the things that we've been talking about, you know, mm-hmm. criminal justice reform, yeah. women's health, or, you know, we're a league of black women, like all these things that we're talking about. What's the? It's the perfect opportunity we've been talking about voting so how, we can promote someone and vote for someone who, you know, essentially can legislate and, and put in policies that are beneficial for us in the long run.
0: Yeah. Oh. Emerald, I want I want to ask you something, Emerald, because you know you we've been doing a lot of work together for a while, and I, there is interesting that um, a lot of times you hear some of the older generation uh, say what what is activism, and they criticize the current um, uh, the current age of activists of athletes and comparing to the athletes of the past, like, you know, Muhammad Ali, and they say, okay, well, activism has died. You know, I had a big debate with uh, Bill Roden, whose book is great. It's um, it's called $40 Million Slave. We just disagree on a lot of different, a lot of different portions of it. But one of the things he asked was, you know, is wearing a t-shirt really activism? And he always says that, you know, is it really activism? Is it the same thing? And I always say, well, if you talk to a family member of a victim of police brutality, they can tell you, What seeing athletes wear those T-shirts and wearing and having that support means. So I wanted to ask you, Emma, what does that mean to see, you know, an entire league supporting um, your your father, entire league uh, risking everything with their with their job to stand up and say, okay, no, this isn't right. And we need to change. What does that mean to you?
5: It means everything. It means that my father's name is going to live on. It means that, you know, us victims are not being ignored because nine times out of 10. Well, you know, a majority of the time when you see activists, they kind of haven't been through what we've been through as victims. And I I say I'm a survivor now, but I I was a victim at one point. And um, when I say victim, I absolutely mean like my father was taken away from me in the worst possible way on television, and the fact that I see um, WNBA players, and I see NBA players, and I see other athletes standing up for social justice, it's like, okay, so you have this big platform. We have things going on in neighborhoods that you guys are from. Of course, like, you know, nobody's born with a silver spoon in their hand unless their last name is Abercrombie and Fitch or something like that. So, like, we're... um, we're at the level where it's like, okay, we're thrusted into the social justice um, situation. Whereas we learn about social justice. We learn about uh, Martin Luther King. We learn about Sojourner Truth. We learn about Rosa Parks in school. But then you hit the real world. Nobody can prepare you for your father or your loved one being killed on national television and having to live with that the rest of your life. People not knowing that I am my father's child and they're sitting there talking about the situation, not being mindful of what they're saying. So to see that I have that... I have that um, support. As you say, it's the support. The support is everything. Um, I always say my sister did not survive the movement. She died of a massive heart attack at 27 with no prior um, health histories besides um, mild asthma, mild bronchitis. Like my sister's never had to use an asthma pump. She's always been an athlete. She played basketball. She followed WNBA. She's, she was like, you know, she was the basketball guru of the family. <laughs> like, we had the boys, but then there was Erica. And then when she took that energy and put it into her activism, it was just so much, so much, so much, so much, and she wasn't getting the support. She was out Tuesdays and Thursdays for two years protesting with less than 10 people. But then you have the Tamika Mallory's, and you have the other um, activists. Um, uh, not saying that they're doing something wrong, but they haven't been through what we've been through. So it's like to see that they get more support than the family member, it's like... For me it was a slap in the face i was 22 when my father passed away so i would i had a whole 22 years with my father never been absentee never been a deadbeat. like i could always call my father for something and now it's like my sole provider is not here and i have to watch him be killed on the tv continuously and then every time something happened his name is being brought up when george floyd was murdered it was like I was back in 2014 because now the media wants to talk. How do you feel? You know how I feel because I've been screaming in front of, um, in front of the monument. I mean, in front of the memorial site. I've been screaming in front of the courthouse. You know exactly how I feel.
0: And, and you know, and Emerald, you see her. You see the passion. We've done a lot of events together, and you hear the the, the passion in her voice, and then you hear the pain in her voice, and it hurts me to hearing the pain. And, and when she talks about what she had to go through. And it's just so also frustrating when you hear people criticize and they say, okay, you know, right now we're, we're they're celebrating Martin Luther King, um, you know, holiday um, this weekend. And so whenever anybody protests any kind of way, the main thing that a lot of the opposition says, well, you should do it like Martin Luther King did it. Indeed. Ms. Renee Montgomery, how are you doing?
1: I'm <laughs> doing good.
0: Um, listen, I appreciate you, um, coming on and talking to me and I, I there's a lot that I want to talk to you about that you know you did something and you were following kind of the footsteps of, of, of your old teammate Maya Moore um, and she where you stepped away from the game in order to be able to focus on social justice I want you to walk me through the decision to do that and what led up to it
1: oh uh, yeah you know The civil unrest is pretty much what led up to it. Just everything going on in America. I had a second, you know, I was still for a moment. You know, when you're still, you have time to think about things, see what's going on. And I mean, long story short, just like everyone else, I didn't like what I was seeing. You know, I didn't like seeing George Floyd murdered. I didn't like what happened to Ahmaud Arbery. So, you know, Breonna Taylor, there were so many things that I'm like, man, you know, we already knew it was going on. But when you're still and then you're looking at it, you have to just sit with it. And so it didn't sit right with me. And that's that's pretty much what led to my decision. I just wanted to have like boots on the ground. I wanted to be here in Atlanta to see kind of what what changes and what positive effect I could have on the community here and and man it turned into something bigger and i you know just it just started from just me watching the news and just not not feeling it
0: right so so let's let's go back let's go back a little bit before right uh, You know. how do you respond to some of the criticism that you all received and i want to i want to go one by one because i'm sure you see received a lot of backlash a lot of criticism and that's a testament to your strength because you kept going but let's start with angel um talk about the criticism that you received when 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 you all made your statement, when you all put everything in you know, um on display, say her name. Just the criticism as far as let's keep that out of sports, so you just focus on, you know, basketball and everything like that. Just just talk about the criticism you received.
3: Yeah, I had a couple of you know, bad messages, people calling me the N word in my DMs and stuff like that. But just with Emerald, her passion, if if they could just see that and hear that. I, I really wish Kelly was on this call right now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I played for Atlanta for 10 years, so I really got to know Kelly as well. She needs to hear stuff like this because they don't—they really don't understand or get it. They hang in that social circle, and then when you get to a certain financial status, everything's easy, you, you kind of lose that touch of reality. This is where these people need to, to hear that stuff because they don't get it, or they wouldn't denounce Black Lives Matter as if it's just nothing. They wouldn't get mad when we say it. We never said black lives matter mean we're better than you because we never have been. Mm-hmm. we said we want to be as equal, you know? So as far as the criticism, I, I could care less because we marched peacefully. You kill Martin Luther King, you know, you, you complain, you, you kill Mugger Everest. These people have done nothing to anyone. They were peaceful. You know, you, you, you create these stereotypes and you kill innocent people uh, through the cops. So what do we care about criticism at this point? Then you get mad that we protest you know and and yell and scream so criticism at this point means nothing we're demanding change and emerald thank you for for what you've been doing we're going to get our change we will fight to the end and criticism means nothing at this point honestly
0: that's that's great that's great tiara the same question to you about the criticism that you received after you know because honestly and and i want you to, to talk about this part as well you all kind of forced the WNBA to go along with what you all were doing. Because at first they said that they were going to find everybody and they said, you know, don't do that. And nobody where, you know, after those, when I believe believe it was the Minnesota Lynx, And after that, when the policemen walked up, walked off and walked off their posts and everybody, it was like the WNBA, like they panicked, like, Oh, okay. Oh Lord, we're making the police mad. Nobody do that again. And then that like empowered y'all. And like the whole league did it I can't, can't keep emphasizing that point because I just thought that was so dope because we've never seen anything like that in any league at any time where everybody got together the same way. But um, talk about how you all withstood the criticism.
4: Um, I, I just don't think we care. Like Andrew said, it, it, it doesn't matter Like right now. Um, we're fighting for something way bigger than just us. And I think as a league, we see that and we know that and we know that we're going to get criticism. We get criticized just playing basketball itself. So, of course, if we're fighting for something that not a lot of people want want to hear, we're going to get criticized for it. But we get criticized for doing our job every day. So if we're fighting for something greater than that, I don't think it really matters. Um, so as a league, as a league with black women and, and black players and, and black coaches, I think we just get to a point where you're like, I I really don't hear the outside noise because I know what I'm doing is, is far greater than what they're saying about me or about us as a league. Um, And it's always going to be some people that, that don't agree with what you're doing. So if you let those people stop you, you won't get anywhere. And I think we just got to a point where it's like, I'm tired of not saying anything. They always tell athletes, uh, keep politics out of, out of the sport, uh, shut up and dribble, all of that type stuff, but at what point are we just citizens? What part are we just human? Like, At what point? um, We're not just basketball players. We're not just athletes. We're people. So we're going to fight for the people, not just because we're athletes. We're fighting because we're Black in America or we see that Blacks in America are being done wrong. So until you get to a point where criticism doesn't bother you you'll never be able to prosper and you'll never be able to create the change that's needed in this world and i think we've gotten to that point where the criticism is just whispers and goes through and through one ear and out the other
0: those are great points and elizabeth you know y'all are in georgia you know what i mean like it you know and people didn't know i played a year with with the hawks and i know like there's certain parts of atlanta that is like popping and it's great a whole lot of us Then you go to some of them other parts and you're like, oh, Lord, did I go back in time like a few decades? You know, so talk about the level of criticism that you all must have received in Georgia while you were pushing for uh, the the Senate to flip in something that, you know, I don't don't know. Has that ever happened before? Something monumental uh, in this day and age?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's really what Angel and T said we don't really care. Like we we've had critics since we started being female professional athletes. So it's never been about us individually. It's been about this bigger movement. It's been about finding unique ways, you know, this year it looked like supporting Reverend Warnock, you know, um, in 2016 it was, you know, DC and Minnesota wearing the shirts and protesting early. So we found really different ways to, to, you know, support and promote these social justice movements. um, And that's not gonna change regardless of the critics. And I mean, even being in Georgia, um, I mean, I guess there were a little bit more critics (laughs) with what was going on, Um, but you're also fueled by the positive messages that you receive. and, And I think always, because the world can sometimes seem so heavy it's, it's nice to have, you know, people behind you that say you guys are doing the right thing. Um, you know, we support you. We hear you. And I, I feel like those messages for me, they carry a lot more weight than any of the negativity that I see. And we're reminded that we're on the right side of history.
0: You know, one of the things that, I, that, that we've done, you know, I'm blessed to have three, three beautiful kids. Um, and, you know, we, me and my wife, we, we watch Selma around this time. So we were watching Selma with our, our, our kids last year, and there was the part where uh, my daughter, Imani, she asked, she was like, well, she said, we're all white people against us? Like, and she was like, Cause, you know, you're, you're watching a movie and that's how it looks. And I was like, all right, well, just hold on, just hold on, just wait. And she was like, all right, but this don't look good. I mean." There's like, no white people were on our side yes. trying to help. So, so then it got to the part where right before they were about to cross Edmund Pettus Bridge and all of the white clergy from all across the country stood with them and they saw the police not attack them. Now, the scene like a little bit before that, if you remember at night, and the, it was just them pro, um protesting and the police came and it was like violent. Like they was violently attacking all of the the peaceful protesters so much so that I had to pause it and be like, all right, you all right, Imani? Like everything cool? She's like, yeah, you know, I'm all right. But it was really intense. So now she saw where all the white clergy stood with them and she saw the police pause. And she's like, wow. She's like, so they only paused because the white people was with us. And then she said, well, that was great to see that some white people stood with us. And she and then she said, so that's why we need more white people to stand with us. And she just boom, 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 made the connections. And I want to ask you all about that. How important (laughs) is it to have white allies, to have your white teammates stand with you? Because there's there's some things where there's a certain demographic, certain demographic of mainstream America that's only going to hear it from a white voice. That's just the way that it is. That's the honest truth. You can have LeBron, you can have Steph Curry, you can have anybody say it, but they're only going to hear it if Popovich says it or Steve Kerr says it. That is the honest truth. Talk about how important it is to have your white teammates in particular stand with you. Angel, you can go first.
3: Yeah, it's it's so important because I think our Caucasian teammates realize we all have a story. They don't really have a story. We all have one of some kind of mistreatment or misconduct toward us you know so i think they get it they've they've learned our culture they've learned who we are they they embrace us they think we're cool they love our music they love you know how we cook they get us they understand us and i think they want to make it a point to show the world hey you're misunderstanding who you think they are i'm around them every day they're me i am them you know so I just think that um and, and I'm so proud of the girls who have stood up and and, and the men and all sports, the Caucasians who have stood up for us because we need their voices. Because sometimes when we keep crying and keep crying, people are like, Oh, here they go again. Right. But when they see that no, this is true, they are right. Then it, it can be taken a little more seriously. So and, and they
0: realize that too. So it helps. Definitely agree. Tara, Definitely uh same same question.
4: Uh oh, I I think they have a hard time trying to understand, but once they understand like what we've gone through or what we're going through, they're more acceptable and more understanding and more willing to speak up. Um, And a lot of them don't know how, because I've been asked by whether it's my teammates in the league or kids I train or, just people I'm around, white people that I'm around, how can we help or what can we do? And I think when those questions are starting to be asked, we're moving in the right direction because before they would just let stuff happen and watch us try to do what we can and just sit back, even when they see things are are wrong and they would sit back and not say anything. But now I think it's gotten to a point where I've had teammates sit in meetings and, and cry. White teammates sit in meetings and cry because they're like I don't understand like h- how we haven't spoken up before before now. Like I don't understand why we haven't taken that step already. Um so I think now they're more open to speaking out. They're not afraid. Like just like we aren't afraid anymore. They aren't afraid because for them is is family heritage is it's generations before them that they're afraid of. It's the people in their families that were, were raised different and, and have a different mental and different mindset than them. So I think now it's like, well, like us, you just got to speak up. Like it's, it's time to just speak up and say something. And if we speak up and speak out, we know that we're helping those who we're around every day. And we see them as people, not black people, not just athletes, not just basketball players, but friends, teammates, family. And I think it gets to a point where it's like, if we're not speaking up for our family, we're not doing
0: the right thing. and We don't want to be on that side. Very well said. Very well said. Um, Elizabeth, same question.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think, I think one thing uh, a lot of our white friends and white teammates have realized is like, we're past the, oh, I didn't know. Oh, I don't know. Like we're in the age, there is information everywhere if you if you want to know something, you can find out yeah. if you like if you have a true a real deep conversation with your black teammates, like you you will learn something that you didn't know before. Mm-hmm. Um, and i I do think similar to what T said, like they're not afraid anymore. They've had these conversations with us. They've taken in what is true. They realize that the history that we're taught in schools is very limiting, um, and so for them, they've also in in doing that, they've understood like their voice carries a different weight than ours, and so that's how I think a lot of the we've seen like the white allyship in our league, and it's it's helped us be really successful. You know, it's not just the black voices that you're hearing; it's the white voices as well. Um, but I think they're understanding, like they can't sit on ignorance anymore, um, and that's that's what's helping us move forward for sure.
0: Right, right. And and Emerald, you know, I I want you to talk about, you know, you are now, and it's so it's so amazing because people don't understand that, you know, when I first met Emerald, she didn't say anything, like she was quiet and couldn't really talk, couldn't really uh, express, you know, everything like that because. It was, she was still dealing with the trauma of everything. And, you know, she's she's grown into this big, confident voice and the way she's using her platform and, and taking on the mantle, fighting for justice for her father, but also changing the laws so that it doesn't keep happening to the next person behind her, the next person. And you're working on um, a book. And they're um, so proud of you, Emerald, and everything that you're doing. I just want you to talk a little bit about your book that you're working on and, um, you know, just how you developed that, your voice. That's what I want you to talk about real quick. How you developed your, your your voice to be able to speak out um, on everything.
5: Well, I um you know, like with, with coming out and talking about my father at first, I would just attend like the pro, the press conference and everything. I would say everything I needed to say behind closed doors. And like, when I would talk to my friends, they'd be like, Emma, why you don't just say that <laughs> when you have the chance to talk, why don't just say that? And like, you know, it's a, it's a, it was a power struggle for who's going to be in the spotlight. Who's going to talk, you know, everybody in my family was all, old, was older and everybody was looking at my father's mother. So, um, when I got invited to, um, the NBA all-star um, panel discussion that it's all put together in Harlem. I was living in Harlem and um, he reached out like, Hey, you should come and talk about these people, um, talk about your father and sit with these young people and just hear what they have to say. Just hear them out. She was like, he was like, because I put this together. We have over a hundred young boys from different charter schools in New York city. And we're bringing them in one location to talk. So when I started to hear what they had to say and they're taking that things that I've said before, things that you know happen with my father's situation, with other situations. I'm just looking like, wow, these these young people are like very educated, and you know. So when I got up to speak, like I don't remember exactly what I said. I just spoke from my heart, and it was just like, boom, then a standing ovation. And then when they came after me, they're like, your story is so inspiring. Inspiring. So from there traveling around, um, you know, going to different colleges, going to different middle schools. Um, I would say my favorite middle school was Eagle Academy. <laughs> that was my favorite middle school. And um, going around, like, we went to go talk to the Phoenix Suns. We've talked to um, Tina Charles and Swing Cash. I was able to meet all of these people and basically tell them that my voice is is, is, is of value.
0: Hey, listen, uh, you know you got my support. And, I, you know, it's – and like you like you said before, I think, Andrew, you said it, People need to hear from Emerald. Yeah. You know what I mean. They need to hear everything that she just said because that'll put it into a different perspective than them, than for them. Like they they think they understand, but they don't really understand. And mm-hmm. that's why I really applaud all of the work that all of you are doing. So I I appreciate you all coming on on the show. Um, I'm gonna you know use this in my in my book, my upcoming book, and I'm gonna talk because I wanna I wanna keep on promoting what you were doing. And and we're going to keep on pushing because you have the fact that you all flipped <laughs> the senate i mean and like i said he was what was it originally polling at like and 9% it. he wasn't he, uh-huh. he wasn't going to win you know, he was at 9% and yeah. the work that y'all all did and everything, you got to give it up to Stacey Abrams. Yeah. They need like a parade for Stacey yeah. Abrams, like yeah. like full everything. She's absolutely amazing. Talk <laughs> about you know how inspiring she is and how amazing all of her efforts were.
1: Yeah, you know, for me, it was it was the preparation. You know, like we all kind of got on board like, yeah, like, you know, in 2020, I opted out and I'm like, let's go. What do you need? Well, she was already having a team of people organized, you know, with the fair fight action and already prepared for this, you know. So when people like me and other athletes and, and other people wanted to join the fight, she was ready. And, you know, she she was like, all right, you go here. You know, they were just so organized. And so I think that people need to make sure that when we're talking about everything that went down, I mean, Stacey Abrams Day needs to be a thing because that's it, it, like the level of preparation that went into that. That doesn't just happen. We don't just break record numbers overnight without groups and groups and groups of people, you know, playing a part in it. So shouts to all the volunteers, everyone working Trying to call, you know, a lot of us were annoyed in 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 these time frames because all the commercials, all the ads, all the everything. But it was a necessary evil. And so I'm thankful for those and people. having my daughter and calling my father like,
5: hey, dad, can you buy me this? Well, he used to say, well, you know, it's over for you. Like, you know, I spoiled you as a child. Now you have your own child. So tell me what my granddaughter needs. So it was just like wait hold up Now I really gotta survive So it was just like now that's another survival And then I lose my father Because although he said oh I'm only going to do for Kaylee I still got what I want anyway So it was just like okay now I'm losing my father So I don't have that That trump card in my back pocket Like oh boom let me call my dad Boom let me call my dad Because I know he's always going to handle it So that, now I had to become a survivor A survivor on my own Because my father was at the top so, you know, that like built like building my story around just talking about my father, it would be impossible to get to know me. So, I want people to know who I am, my struggles, you know, having to go through my trials and tribulations and still coming out of that as a survivor. Like, fast forward to losing my sister and taking on her two children. I was already with a six-year-old who was in school, out of my face, don't got to worry about Pampers, and now I have this four-month-old. I'm working full-time. I'm an activist. I'm traveling all over the place. What am I going to do with this child? I don't even remember how to change Pampers. So I had to get accustomed to dealing with that situation. Fast forward to right now, I'm struggling with these children. So it's just like, you know, it's just a lot. So it's like I've had to survive so much. And it's like, I don't want people to think that, okay, the the worst thing you ever had to deal with in your life is your your father getting killed. That's at the top. But then I got 10 more situations that made me who I am, that 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 molded molded me into who I am, that te- that taught me how to be who I am. Like knowing um one of my foster parents, like I was with her when I was pregnant, transitioned into my own apartment. She passed away from COVID. She is one of the people who actually taught me she's one of the one of the contributors who taught me how to maintain a home how mm-hmm. to maintain get up and go to work every day no excuses you got to get it done if you don't get toilet paper you can't wipe your butt you don't get to toothpaste you can't you can't brush your teeth so those those little gems that were dropped in my life I want to share them with other people because I'm not the only person going through it like you know George Floyd's daughter is gonna grow up you know she's gonna grow up a lot better than you know what like because of, because of the spotlight on her life, she's gonna have a better chance of making it um, out.
0: You know, George Floyd really shook up the entire yeah. country, yeah. and it was interesting because you know there were a lot of different murders that happened before, but George Floyd played a particular you know type of effect with with America as a whole. Talk about that case in particular and what you thought when you saw everything.
1: Uh, it was just the way that it happened, you know, and then you hear what the arrest was even for. And it's confusing for that level of aggression for, for what he's being arrested for. And so then you just, I, I've never seen the full clip because I don't, I don't want to, but you just see the look on the officer's face, the 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 inhumane look that they have when others are calling out, crying out for help. And just the, the way the officers look, just the whole, how the whole thing happened, it just doesn't sit right with you to watch a man murdered on, on national television. And so, yeah, it was just the circumstances surrounding the case, you know, so like that many people. And then when you find out that those officers had a record and they previously were doing things before it, just the whole thing as a whole, it just it's, it's not it doesn't Absolutely sit amazing. right. But listen, yes. thank
0: you. Thank you for coming on. Um, and this is this is the type of Martin Luther King Day um you know panel that needs to have a discussion not just you know i have a dream let's look at it you know and it, and it was a fantastic speech but let's put it into real terms today and and what and how the struggle continues so thank you all yeah. for what you're doing thank please stay you. safe i know y'all are all overseas and everywhere um so stay safe and thanks again for coming on the rematch it's
3: been a pleasure thank you for having us all right thank let's you see. for having us
1: yeah. thank thank you, I'm you all. stay safe no problem thanks for having me
0: Thank you for listening to The Rematch. You can find more episodes on basketballnews.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. You can also find my articles on basketballnews.com along with exclusive content from Kenyon Martin, Vinny Del Negro, James Posey, and more. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Thomas 36 Let me know what you thought of this episode and who you'd like to see as a guest. I would love your feedback.